Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Fall races are quickly approaching. You guys have been training hard all summer, and now we're approaching race day. Many athletes begin the tapering process for their race as they approach race day. We're going to discuss what exactly the taper is, and we're going to go into some details about carbo-loading as well. So, Skelly, I would love to hear from you in your words. What is the taper? What is the taper? So let me um, back up before I answer that question and just kind of talk about training in general first. So if you think about wanting to get faster or more fit or run more, any of those types of things, the way you need to approach that is, and you know this, you stress your body a little bit with a little bit, it could be a harder workout for someone who's new to running, could just be running a little bit more, but you stress your body and then you recover from it. So that's why you hear us talk over and over again about taking the easy days easy because you stress your body a little bit with a workout, then you recover for a couple days that's when you reap the benefits of all the, of the harder workout. If you don't recover, you're not going to reap those benefits. So a taper is much like that. Let's, let's just use a marathon as an example. You've been training for what, three or four months for that. And you're doing this kind of repeating this stress your body a little bit, recover. Longer runs are getting longer, that type of thing. So eventually in order to be ready for racing, you need to back off of that a little bit to give your body that time to recover for race day. And a good way to think about that is this, like I'll use a marathon as an example. A marathon is 26.2 miles. After a marathon, it takes you about three weeks to really recover from the muscle damage that you do. Mm -hmm. So if you think about that, about three weeks out, we typically do, you know, just to throw out there a 20 miler, you need that time to recover from that. So you're ready to go on race day. So that's kind of why you see a lot of three week tapers for marathon. So it's basically starting to back off each week leading into it. That's a taper. Right. I love how you compared it to, you know, like every day you're doing the easy running days to allow your body to recover from those hard workouts. So like on that micro level, it's like we're doing rest and recovery so that we can grow during the cycle. But then on a more macro level, you know, you do three, four months of hard training and you don't really have an off season in there. We're kind of doing the taper so that you can allow your body that time to recover from the big three, four months of training um, to have your legs be fully recovered and like peaked, ready to go for the big day. That yep. And reaping all those benefits of all those training. Did. And, we'll, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, and how people get a little bit nervous during a taper and, <laughs> and anxious and all those types of things. But there's reasons for it and, and, and that type of thing. But it's scientifically proven really that you need to do it it depends on which you know distance of races which I'm sure we'll also get into on how long you taper and how much you need to do that yeah and so I think the longer the race distance like the longer your taper is going to be because you know you train for a marathon like you just said that 20 mile long run is going to take longer to recover from 
than, you know, if you were training for, you know, a 5k, um, the taper is going to look a little bit differently because your training cycle looks different. Yep. And so I think maybe, you know, people listening, everyone's training for different things this fall, you know, you might have a 5k, you might have a 10k, maybe you have a half, maybe it's a marathon or an ultra marathon. Um, let's just kind of go over what a taper, um, and this is a great topic for you to talk about specifically because you have experience coaching, um, men's and women's cross country at the college level. So you really know about that 5k, 10k distance. Um, tell me a little bit about a taper for, you know, the shorter distance races for five to 10k. So one thing I'll say too, and you mentioned it, that I coached college for a long time and the, the women ran a 6k, although when I first started, it was a 5k. I think by the time you came around, it was a 6k. And the men ran an 8K, which is five miles. Um, and so right around that 5K, 10K distance. So I did a lot of research on that. And there was one time, and I, I will say that over my coaching career, I tried a few different things with the taper. And I think I used to probably, at first, I probably tapered too too much, like did like a two-week taper for that type of race. And, and I ended up going to a distance running summit. And it was a bunch of people, and it was somewhere in Iowa, I, I think um, Kent Grinnell College, and there's a bunch of really, you know, well-known coaches talking. And there was like a three-hour session just on tapering. And someone had written a book and they had done a lot of research on those shorter distances. It was called Peak Don't Taper. And kind of their theory there was, yes, you need to taper. But for those shorter races, you probably only need about a week. And the only thing we did, and, and you experienced this when I was coaching you, is we would progress throughout the, the, the season, kind of progressively adding a little bit more mileage, doing a little bit more intensity, then that week of the race, the only thing we would really do different is our hard workout would be half of the volume that we used to do. And by volume, I mean, you know, how, how, much, how many intervals there are, that type of thing. And then half of the long run. Like, so if you were up to like, let's say a 10 mile run, long run, you only did five that week before. And that was it. And once I started doing that, I probably did that the last four years I coached. Just really awesome results. And one kind of proof of that was during the season with those shorter races, so often I'd have weeks that were really hard weeks and we would race and I wouldn't expect anyone to do well because it was such a hard week and a lot of people would still do well. So kind of showing you that you don't need sometimes as much of a taper for those shorter races, about a week, you know, 10K maybe a little bit more than that, like 10 days. But right. that, that's me personally as a coach. I'd be interested to hear your response to that too. Yeah, no, I love how you said peak, don't taper. Um, And I think that could almost be the case for any distance, that sort of philosophy. I mean, obviously, um, when you're going to peak, you know, you might you might back off volume a little bit leading up to the race. But there is nothing out there where it's like, okay, we're taking a week off before the race because your body is so used to running every day that like when you take out, like, let's say people were taking it to the extreme and you took, you know, three extra rest days. Um, that's going to really just like throw your body out of its equilibrium and like what you're used to and like all that stuff. Um, and so it's almost going to cause more damage because a lot of running, like you always say is it's like 90% mental, (laughs) mental, right? Um, if you take out like something that's part of everyone's day and they're just really used to training all the time, um, and you change it so drastically, it can really mess with like the mental game. So there's that proponent in there too. But I think, I agree with you completely where it's like, you know, you really only need five to 10 days. Um, And then it also depends on uh, like, what is the purpose of the the 5k, 10k that you're doing? So if 
you're doing a 5k or 10k within a marathon training cycle and you're two months out from the marathon like we're probably not gonna really taper at all yep you're gonna train right through it yep and I think that's what you were talking about before is sometimes you know you just have a race that falls in the middle of you know a bigger bigger picture training cycle and we're just not really going to taper you know maybe you'll take the day before it um you'll reduce mileage a little bit but the idea is it's just part of the training cycle and we're using it more as a workout but like you said even using it as a workout um, when you're fit you're fit and the taper I think sometimes people think the taper is like oh if you don't taper you know race day is over right really I think they said it's only like a two or three percent increase um in fitness ability when you when you have a full taper yep and I can give you so many examples of people that did so well on weeks that were like I just had mentioned that were hard weeks that we were just training through the 5k and they still ran amazing races and and then sometimes you get that taper and the longer the taper it is and you kind of just talked about the mental side the more people can start talking themselves out of everything they did for the past (laughs) three months that, you know, and kind of forget that all that training and start to really start to, it gives you so much, especially like a three week taper for a marathon gives you a lot of time to think. And uh, (laughs) that's, what's nice about the shorter tapers. There's not so much time to think about, you know, I'm losing fitness or I'm losing this and, and having all those freak out moments. Right. And then I think sometimes it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, let's say you've been a runner for a long time and you're like, oh, I never feel good during the taper. I never race well with a taper. Um, And just knowing yourself as an athlete. And if that's something that you get really inside your head during the taper and you don't like tapering, um, there's no like rule written in stone saying you have to, you know, reduce by this amount every single week or you won't be able to finish a race. It's just do what works for you. Just kind of giving the tips that physiologically yield to the best results but you got to also remember that part of it is mental and like we said it's only that two to three percent increase you're really going to get from the taper it's not like you know magic is really yep. happen. <laughs> yep and I, I'm glad you said that part because that was one thing I really stress and, and especially with the shorter taper is I'd have athletes all the time and they'd be so excited we get to taper week and they're like oh it's going to be so much easy I'm just going to go out and PR because I'm going to be so rested I'm going to feel so great and and boom, I'm just, they're just going to give me the time. And I'm basically, yep. it's kind of their attitude. I'm like, nope, you still have to execute and do all the things that you've been doing. You're just, the hope is you're going to have a little bit more there because you're rested and you're going to feel a little bit better, but you're still, it's still going to be hard and you still have to, to execute and persevere and do all those things that you would do any other day. So just, I was always very warning of that when I was coaching that taper is necessary, but it's not a magic pill either. You have to still do the, you know, execute the race and do the right things on race day and not let the old feeling so good at the beginning of the race get to you too much. <laughs> yeah. I love how you brought that up and said that because I think sometimes during training, if we have a hard workout or something in the back of our mind, we might say, Oh, well, it'll feel so much easier on race day. And <laughs> then we, we build it all up to this. Oh, but after the taper, it's going to feel so much easier. And I just always like to tell myself that it's, not going to be easier on race day because like what if you you know like have a day that feels just like a workout and it more than likely you are going to have moments in your race where it feels like one of your tough workout days Um, it's very rare where you have a race where the stars align and when you do that's great but more than likely it's just going to feel like another day um your fitness isn't going to feel like you've reached 
another level, you know, you're just maybe going to feel a little bit more fresh. And sometimes you actually don't feel more fresh. Like I've tapered for races before and I'm at the start line and my legs just, they feel exactly the same, (laughs) you know, or they don't feel exactly the same, but like you build it up in your head that you're going to get this extra boost. And then when it's not there, you kind of feel like, Oh, it it was almost a letdown. So don't, don't think that anything magic is going to happen. Like you said, it's not a magic pill. Um, the fitness that you had during your, your training cycle is still your fitness. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. But just executing just like you would any other workout or any other race and not expecting, you know, hopefully you get a little bit of like, especially in a marathon PR. And that's why we run into that trap that Mary and I talked about on a different podcast where you feel so good the first three or four miles because you've rested and you let that go like, this is awesome. I'm going to feel like this the whole way. And that's where I really warn people to be patient because it's 26.2 miles. Things can change pretty quickly. So you really want to stick to your, your plan. And it's great that it feels easier at the beginning, but just know that it's still 26.2 miles. And at some point that's most likely going to change. Oh, yeah. Mm. I totally love that you brought that up because another thing that we get asked because the marathon taper is so long, you know, it's that two to three weeks, you're, you're kind of cutting the, the volume a little bit. And I think a lot of athletes during that, you know, final week or you get, you know, 10 to seven days out, um, legs start feeling good. Athletes start saying, hey, uh, uh, can I run easier on my easy days? Or you just notice that they're running a little faster than they normally do. And you're like, hey, 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 yep. what's going on here? Because, you know, you want to make sure you're still following all the, the training rules and, and training appropriately. Um, that's usually a sign that, you know, you're feeling good and the taper is kind of working, but we don't want to be working harder during right. um, those, those easy runs at all. Yep. And I always warn people, I put it right on training peaks, like the, the week before I say, okay, this is going to be a lot shorter, but you, I want you to treat it like it's a 20 miler, even though it might be like mm-hmm. eight, because I don't want you to go, no, I feel great. It's only eight. This feels like nothing. It feels like a everyday run and go out and hammer it when you're, you know, seven days out from the marathon. So make sure you're treating it like it's a 20 mile easy, slow. And try to always, even even the weekend before that too, I do the same thing. Just same as usual. Don't let yourself get carried away. And same thing with some of the workouts those couple of weeks leading up to it too. Right. Like don't leave your your race in the taper weeks because uh, you yep. wanted to hammer and test your fitness or you felt really good. Um, the purpose of the taper is more just to, you know, you got to reel it in, standard control, yep. no all And save effort. it for race day. Yeah. And I say that over and over again, too, just save it. Even the couple of days I want to do a little shakeout run or the day before, just saving it for the next day. Don't do it today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Please. totally agree. <laughs> um, so I know we talked about the marathon taper being, you know, like three weeks. Some coaches do two weeks uh, for what about for the half marathon distance? Yeah. So for me personally, I typically do two weeks. Um, and one, one thing I was going to say before I answer that too, when we're still talking about marathons is I experimented a little bit with the taper with my own, when I was marathoning a lot and did, you know, longer tapers of like doing a very long run, like four weeks before and tapering a little bit sooner. And I even tried one week only doing like a taper in one, like one week. Um, that didn't go well. Um, (laughs) just, just, but I just wanted to try it and it wasn't like, obviously I still did fine, but it was not. I, I could tell my legs were tired um, even early on. So I did experiment a lot with that um, but and found that three weeks is for a marathon typically really good for most people. Sometimes if someone's experienced, I might have them go a little bit longer in their last long run and, and build it out to more like a four-week 
kind of, a, you know, they don't taper right away, but just being a little bit more careful because we go a little bit longer. Uh, but to answer the half marathon question, for me, about two weeks out, um, I usually have them do their longest run and then start the taper. I think any longer, it gets to be a little bit too much for that distance. You still need to taper, but I don't think you need as long, maybe even 10 days for some people. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. Between like two and one and a half weeks, I think for the half marathon is it's great. Yeah. But it's because it's such a great distance because yes, it's, it's, that's far, but you can still, you know, as far as like running out of carbohydrate stores and things that we'll talk about, you know, later, I'm sure less likely that that's going to happen. Well, it depends on the person, how long they're out there, but it, it kind of less likely. So you don't need to probably taper quite as much. I, and it, again, it's kind of an individual basis. We work with a lot of different people, a lot of different levels. So it kind of depends. So I don't want to say it's two weeks or it's three weeks or it's this, because it depends on the person too and how training's been going and have they had any injuries? Has everything gone perfectly? Kind of, you have to put a lot of things into it when you're, when you're deciding how much. Right. And I love how you brought up like the injury or a lot of people end up getting sick, you know, sometimes in the fall and that always throws a wrench in it where, you know, if we're three weeks out and they haven't done the 20 yet, but the week before they already did, you know, 18, I might say, yeah, we're starting the taper now because you're sick. We're not doing the 20, you know, and and just being flexible with that and understanding the risk versus reward is really important. And the big worry for people, and you've heard this a thousand times, I'm sure, I'm going to lose all my fitness. Like even if they like miss two days yep. and, and here's something I'm going to tell you, physiologically, it takes two weeks. You'd have to sit around and do nothing. Watch TV on the couch for two weeks to, if, as long as you've been running consistently going into this to really start to lose anything, yep. um, two full weeks. So taking a couple days off or doing a little extra, especially when you're getting like three weeks a month out, you're going to be okay. I mean, and we'll, we'll figure out ways to, like you just said to, modify the long run or whatever it is but you're not going to lose it it's still going to be there and a lot of times it can actually be a blessing in disguise I had someone just recently who had a 10 minute PR and a 324 she was about a month out right after we'd done we'd done kind of a little bit longer run she had a little bit of an injury and couldn't run for like a week so that was like right going into the taper and just told her don't worry the fitness is there you'll be fine we did the taper kind of as as planned and boom felt great on race day so just don't panic if you get sick or those things happen I have heard stories like that so many times I think there was one person who Jason uh, my husband he ended up like something happened it was like he's a gym teacher and he had like an incident at school where he hurt his foot and he like couldn't even walk without pain he went an entire week without any running and then like had a race um, that weekend and he ended up running like the fastest he's ran in I don't know like six years and some race and it's just like it I think we get inside of our heads because our routine is thrown off but really like you said physiologically um, you don't start losing fitness for two weeks and really I mean taking time off or like taking easy running it's just gonna be more benefit for you if you're approaching a race day yep and it's mentally that could be hard but it's, it's so true. And it's not something that we're making up as coaches. I mean, that's just a, it's a fact, it's a scientific fact. Um, so just try not to work. Cause I have so many people that even miss one day and they're like, and this is in my, when I coach college, when I coach now, you know, just even missing a couple of days, they get so worried and just try to explain that to them. And, you know, I'm kind of in a, I have a 10 K in about, I don't know, 13 days. And I haven't been able to run for a week because my hamstring has been bugging me. 
Um, back probably 10 years ago, that would have drove me nuts. Like what I'm going to, what am I going to do? Um, <laughs> but now, now I'm like, you know what? I've put in all the training up until that time. I'm just going to take some extra rest, do some biking, do some other things and, you know, let it roll on race day. And I, I, I'm confident in that just because I've been through it with myself and I've been through it with so many athletes that the fitness is still going to be there. Cause I was doing well up until I had the unfortunate little problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. And fitness builds on each other. And I think sometimes people forget that it's like, you've been doing this for years, you've been doing it for months, you know, you've been training, and that's the work that you have to look at, not the oh, I took one extra day off, right? Yeah. Um, that's and, not really like how it works. Right? right. And this might sound corny, but sometimes when you have that, you know, maybe a little injury or a cold or something, like I said, it's a blessing to disguise, but it might be your body telling you, you need to rest. Um, you know, because, you know, you've been doing this for a long time or through the training cycle that your body's just kind of telling you, Hey, I need to back off and it comes at the right time. That might sound like coaching mumbo jumbo, but I do believe that. No, I totally agree. 100% because I, you know, I usually get sick twice a year and I'm one of those people. I'm like a stubborn runner, you know, I, I know this and it's something that I try to work on, but I think every time I get sick, it's related to you know, I kind of felt like I needed an extra day and maybe like I pushed through it and it's like next day, you know, something that was just a little sore throat turns into, you know, being sick for five to seven days. And yep. I think just listening to your body and knowing that if you feel like a little off or like you wake up and you're just exhausted and you don't know why and something just feels wrong, um, it's probably like your immune system kicking in and saying, we're fighting this off and we're not giving her the energy to do this run today. Um, and that's okay. And I think if we just kind of got more used to doing that, uh, there'd be a lot more people who weren't injured. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or like making it. things worse. And I'll have people that will email me in the morning and say, yeah, I woke up with a little bit of a fever, but I'm going to try my run tonight. And I'll just email oh. right away and say, don't. And especially with yeah. a fever, just take the extra rest and we'll, I'll adjust things and we'll, everything's going to be just fine. And, you know, and, that, and that's what you and I are for is to help you figure out the rest of the week yeah. or how to, to, to adjust that and, and do that type of thing. And just to not panic. And to, and I get it. And I was once like that too, where I was yeah. running no matter what. I mean, even I just told you I had a little hamstring issue. I was going to take today off and I still went out and tried. Um, so I haven't totally learned, <laughs> <laughs> right. but it actually felt okay. But it, but still you got to be careful of that. And, and, and it's easy to put pressure on yourself that, Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to, you know, if I'm sick for a couple of days, just recover and, you know, pick up where you left off. And a lot of people too will say, Oh, should I do like, they think they have to make up for what they lost or what oh, they missed. Yep. Mm -hmm. And my answer to that is no, we just pick up where we were. Everything was going well before that. It's just a little hiccup. It's not a big deal. Let's just keep moving forward because you can't make up for lost time. Right. I totally agree with you 100%. And that's really tough. You know, if someone wakes up with a fever or let's say they went into urgent care in the morning, they're like, yeah, I'm going to start antibiotics for, you know, strep throat or I have bronchitis. And then they're like a day later, they're like, I'm ready, I can do my workout. And I'm always just like, no, but you know, as adults, you make your own decisions. Yep. And I've, I've had people like just blatantly not listen to me um, when it comes to stuff like that. Or they're like, I'm fine, I can listen to my body. And like, as a coach, you have to <laughs> obviously respect what they're doing. I mean, you can inform them, but it's like, right. there's only so much Ultimately, it's their do. decision, yeah. Right. And then, you know, when race day comes and they're they're wondering why, you know, they fell apart or whatever happens, it's like, well you know, I think maybe you pushed a little bit too hard during your training cycle. And that can be a form of overtraining, you know, if you're pushing when you're sick, because that's hard. I mean, yep. as someone who has made the stupid mistake of training when, you know, they have 
a cold or training with a sinus infection, that takes a lot of willpower and like mental strength to get through those sort of runs. And yep. instead of having that reserve for you on race day that you can pull from all that willpower and mental strength, you're emptying it um, during your training. And uh, I think that's something that not a lot of people talk about because yep. everyone's like, oh, like I can train through it. I can train through it. But it's like, it's going to just negatively impact you somehow. Maybe you feel like it's fine to train through it today, but you know, it might come to bite, bite you later. Uh, but those are usually the same people that don't listen when yep. you tell them, you know. Uh, <laughs> You'll probably end up why? needing more recovery because of it. Rather than just taking a day, you might end up needing two or three or four days because you pushed it when you shouldn't exactly. have. Yeah. So just listening to your body and just knowing when it's okay to rest. It took me, you know, honestly, like you said, a long time for me to learn that. Um, yep. But now I'm very much at peace with that. And I know, especially as I'm getting older, um, that my body just needs more recovery, even like doing a hard workout instead of like, I can't do a hard workout two days later. I need like three or four days. And then that's just my body where I'm at in my running life. Um, and that's okay. And I'm still going to get benefit from it. I'm still going to reap all the benefits. I'm just doing it a little bit, maybe at a little slower pace. Right, exactly. And I think that's so important to bring up that, you know, everyone's recovery timeline is going to look a little different. Like you said, you know, as you're getting older, you know, turning into a master's runner, it, uh, it takes you longer to recover. And even just me, like, I knew right after I gave birth, like, it's just like, my body is completely different. I can't do workouts like I used to, you know, time to recover. Um, And that's just something that you wouldn't think would impact you as much. But it does. And you know, it's same goes for someone who maybe has a job that's very stressful that they started. And Um, just if you compare too much to the past and what you did in previous training cycles and what worked for you, it might not be what works now. Cause if I tried to train the way that I used to, even just three years ago, I mean, it would just be, I couldn't. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And same for me too. And you learn that and that's why it's important to everybody's individual. And, you know, we're giving, you know, talking about these topics, but it's just, it's not a straight line that it's this much to taper for this race and that race, it really depends on the, the person and how things have been going. So you really have to think about a lot of things as you're, you know, designing a program and, and following through on a program. Right. Completely agree with you. Taper is definitely unique to each individual. Um, and I think kind of getting back to that topic of the taper, uh, what are some of the workouts that you like to prescribe during those weeks leading up to maybe a half marathon or marathon um, you know, like when you're two, three, one week out. Right. So I, I did a lot of research on this as well as, as both a marathon runner and then as a coach. Um, to basically, once you get to that, let's say we get to that three weeks out and we just for an example, we do the 20 miler and then we're going to start to slowly and maybe it was just to use a number. It was a 40 mile week just to use a nice round, easy number. Yep. And then the next week you're going to do a little bit less mileage. But as that mileage goes down, what I like to personally do is some of the intensity goes up just a little bit. Maybe one or two workouts a week, it's just going to be a little bit faster than we've been doing, but it's much shorter. Um, and just to kind of keep, it's kind of that resting meets still trying to hang on to that fitness. So each week we kind of do that. The last week, I don't hardly have a person do anything at all. Um, the only thing that they really do that's even sort of a workout is about four days out, five days out, I have them do like an easy warm up, and then four 400s at the goal marathon pace, which would be very yes. easy to do for 400 meters. And then jog for 400 meters, cool down to four miles. That's it. 
And I personally, it depends on the person. I have people take the day before off. I know shakeout runs are really popular, but I haven't do the shakeout run two days before unless they're really, some people really need to run the day before psychologically and that's okay. But I tend to have them take that the day off, the day before completely off. But as far as those weeks go, it's kind of, you're decreasing mileage, but maybe you're increasing the intensity a little bit on a few runs just to, to stay sharp and to stay fit. That's right. my way of doing it. No, I, I love how you broke that down. So, you know, right now we're um, about three weeks out from the Chicago Marathon. So people are, they just ran their 20 mile long run this weekend. And so they're like in that first week of taper. And just when I think about that first week, it's always like you don't really feel like you're tapering because you have been working so hard over the course of, yep. you know, months and months. And like you just had your biggest week and you just ran 20 miles. And I always feel just like trash, you know, yep. like those first couple of days because you probably just did your biggest long run and you're like, yay, it's the taper and I'm going to start feeling really good. And then you just like feel nothing. <laughs> yep. And I would say that first week is like that. It shouldn't really you won't even notice that you're tapering. You're probably not taking that much away yet other than the long run. And, and you did, like you said, you just did the biggest long run. You should feel 20 miles is far. I mean, you, you should feel that. And that whole week is going to be about recovering from that a little bit. It's really not until you get into the next week that maybe things change. And I have a feeling that might be the next question. Right. Totally. <laughs> and, no, that third week. And I, I feel like that for that first taper week also, like not only do you not really notice your tapering, even though you are, you know, reducing your mileage a little bit. So you're, you're just reducing your mileage. You're keeping your intensity up. That's really important to know. Like you're still probably going to do your workout and then you might have some pace work in that, um, that long run that weekend, but you're, you're cutting back that long run pretty significantly. So let's say you did 20, you know, for your peak week, then next week when you're two weeks out from the marathon, it's probably going to be between, um, I know it really just depends on the athlete, but right. like 14 and 17, probably. Um, which is quite a step back from what yep. you're doing. I even go less. There. I do between 12 and 15, depending on the person. Yep. Um, and, and part of it depends on what they've been doing prior exactly. to that, too. Yep. But it can be anywhere in there. Mm-hmm. As far as what you said, it could be up to – I don't have a lot of people that I have go that far. Right. Yeah, weeks I guess out, it depends the time on your feet, too, like yep. what, what the goal is and all that stuff. Because, yeah, some people, two weeks out, it might be 10 miles for their, their longest run. Um, yep. It just depends on how long it's taking them to – complete the miles but usually about like two two hours yeah that, but in any case run. you are significantly chopping it from 20 right typically. yeah and what i was gonna say is so you're reducing your weekly mileage your you know so you think you're gonna feel a little bit better but typically i feel more tired and just like really fatigued that week and i did some research on that because i was always wondering why do i feel like crap and my athletes would always feel like crap too yep. and they start to freak out, you know, and feel oh lethargic. Gosh, and... Yeah. And it's because your body like goes into this recovery um, mode. It like actually notices that you're increasing or you're decreasing your volume a little bit and it goes, Oh, okay. It's time that I can like start doing these deep repairs. And so that's yep. what's going on in those three weeks leading up is like your body, it kind of like shuts down from the super high adrenaline and all that stuff. And it goes into more of like a repair um, repair mode. So you might notice like, it's harder to wake up in the morning because you're getting that like super deep sleep and maybe you just are feeling a little bit more lethargic, having those heavier legs, 
very very normal and I don't know like is that something you experienced during that week or did you feel that more the second week? for sure so so for me more so the the second week and I have more athletes feel it that second week Um, here's here's what's happening also is and I've read up on this and I'm not a nutrition expert by any means but um, if you think about it that whole time, you know, and you hear about carb loading and things like that, but you're basically your body, whenever you do those long runs, it, it's trying to restore what carbohydrates you lost and keeps pumping your body full of these glycogen stores as much as it possibly can. Then all of a sudden you're not going as far and your body is still wants to fill it up because it worries that you might do that soon. <laughs> and uh, just, I'm trying to say this in very basic terms, but it basically right. is still trying to fill it up but you're not running as far and you don't need it. And so your glycogen stores, which are carbohydrates are tippy tip, like tip top full. And that's why you have that like lethargic, you know, maybe even tired. Like, I feel like I'm, I don't even want to say gaining, you know, you just feel kind of not right. And that's what it's, and that's a lot of what it's from. Quite honestly, if I have someone who's a couple weeks out and they don't tell me that they're starting to feel that way, I feel like they're not tapering because you should feel that way because of, those carbohydrate stores trying to stay full, but you don't need them as much. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think, um, yeah, like going back to, you know, feeling bloated. I I hear that one a lot. Some people will, they'll gain a pound or two and it's like, that's your glycogen storages, you know, like that's water retention is good when you're a little bit of it. You want to have all that in your body because you're about to, you know, run 26.2 miles. Um, it's going to, you know, be used during that long journey. Yep. But that's um, part of that feeling. And you still want to make sure you're eating. You do want to be a little bit careful as you're getting into like that last week because you're running a lot less. I nervous eat when I am getting ready for a race. <laughs> um, but you want to be careful of that. And, and it's certainly we don't want to tell people not to eat. You, want to, you need to eat. You need to fuel. But just be a little bit careful as you're tapering because you are expending a lot less calories. Yep, totally. And another thing is just knowing like, you know, you hear the phrase carbo load. I don't think a lot of people really know what that means and like when to start doing that. Um, but that that doesn't mean like we're going to go out and eat pizza and all the ice cream and <laughs> yeah. any sort of carbs. There's very specific types of carbs that are good for filling up those glycogen storages. And you don't need to go crazy because chances are as a runner, um, you naturally eat yeah exactly because you need them for your long runs and it's just just increasing it by you know 10 percent um when you're two weeks out that's going to help you a lot your right. carbohydrate ratios per day and you should um, be practicing these things with your long runs when you have the 20 miler and those types of things anyway with what you eat and as far as carbs and what you eat you know two or three days out you really want to try to practice that you don't want to wait till the week of the marathon and go oh yeah what should i eat and what should i do you should have a plan for that already and kind of know what you do. And like you said, a lot of people think, well, I'm just going to eat. Like I know people that a week out, they eat nothing but spaghetti, like for <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I'm not kidding. I'm like, you can only take in so many carbohydrates. So you, <laughs> like you said, you only need a little bit more. And I actually, I used to be really strict about that kind of stuff. And then as I got on and I did more and more running, I just basically the night or two before I'd be a little bit more mindful of making sure I'm getting the carbs. But like you said, as a runner, that's a big part of our diets already. Um, right. So not too much should, should change as far as that goes. And certainly that week, you don't want to suddenly do something you don't ever do. Exactly. Yep. I think that's huge because 
you want to be eating similar to what you've been doing in training because that's what your body is used to. So again, you don't want to like disrupt, you know, what your body's used to. We're not all of a sudden going to go on like a vegan diet, you know, the month right. you're, you're raised or just be like, you know what? I never normally eat like this, but I'm going to all of a sudden just flip a switch and I'm going to eat all these different sorts of foods. It's like, eh, let's just stick with kind of what you have been doing. Um, and, you know, obviously making healthier choices is great. Like maybe if during training you weren't eating the healthiest, but you don't want to do a drastic diet change. You definitely yep. don't want to cut calories. I mean, it's just be consistent. Make sure you're eating full meals. Um, make sure you're feeling your body properly and like good things are going to happen. Yeah. But you still need fat and protein too. It's not like totally. you just need carbohydrates. I mean, it, yep. it is obviously the, the big thing you need as a, as a long distance runner, but you still need those other things and it needs to be well-rounded and making sure you're getting all those nutrients, not just thinking about carbohydrates. Yeah, definitely. Like eating the lean meats. If you um, aren't vegan or vegetarian or getting protein and other sources, if you're not, um, and then obviously, you know, healthy fats are incredibly important also, because if you're deficient in those other areas too, it's going to affect, uh, it's also going to affect you, you know, if, <laughs> if you have to be able to feel your body properly and, right. all and the carbohydrate thing is really only going to help with, um, the glycogen storages and just that goes back to hitting the wall on race day, because what ends up happening for athletes is if you get to mile 20 or you get, you know, two and a half hours into the race, um, your body could run out of glycogen and that's always the concern. And that's why, you know, people carbo load. It's because yep. you want to make sure you have enough fuel in your body. And if you don't, um, or most people probably don't, it's, that's why you have to use fuel when you're running the marathon and that's going to help, um, contribute to being able to feel good and not, you know, totally hit the wall and just yep. run out of fuel. Um, when that happens, exactly. And I don't know if, <laughs> And I, I was just going to mention, too, that I, re I read a book once about 15 years ago, and I was actually lucky enough to go see this person speak, and her name's Nancy Clark, and it's a, it's a book. It's, just, it's Nutrition for Marathoners. It's a really short book, but it kind of gets into the whole carbo thing. And, and her thing, even when I watched her speak, was – and she works with elite runners and run, average runners, all kinds of runners, um, very-well-known person. But she said that week, you're really trying to only add you know, 100 or 200 calories, maybe extra of carbs a day for like the three days leading up to it, and that's it. I mean, and she goes into length in the book on like how to just have a really good, healthy running diet. Um, but like you said, you obviously need to carve a little, a little bit that week. And then it's so important to continue that in the race. Right. So I just want to make sure I mentioned that book and that it's totally, it's... yeah, no, that's a good, the good reference there. And then just knowing, um, you know, we talked a little bit about this, like don't drastically change your diet, but especially the day before the race, like, I don't care what your friend says. I don't care what people are doing next to you. I, I don't care at all. Do not try anything that you have not tried. Yep, exactly. And like nothing goes in your body. If you right. it before um, I had an athlete before last chance BQs last year, just have a really weird race. It was a super off day. Um, she almost DNF. She actually like stopped running at mile 19, pulled over to the side for like 20 minutes. She stopped her garment and that is what uploaded the training peaks. And I was like, Oh shoot, did she DNF? But she yeah. ended up finishing. Um, but I was like, you know, and she's like, I, I felt so weird. And like, I just felt like my stomach was really weird. And I was like, this seems like a really obvious question to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Like, did you try anything knew the day before uh, <laughs> i didn't know where this is going <laughs> my friend told me that 
you know, drinking Pedialyte the day before will like really help hydrate you. I've never done it before, but she swore by it. So I just took drink a whole bottle the night before and I'm like, oh my yeah. God. So it was, you know, one thing like that. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people drink Pedialyte the day before the race, but that doesn't mean that you should do it if you haven't right. done it before. So. Yeah. And they've been practicing it and they've been doing it. And they know it works yep. for them. Do what works mm-hmm. for you and what you've been doing the whole time don't suddenly change it and you're going to hear a lot of things you're going to get nervous and be like oh you know i you know i haven't done anything i don't feel like i've done anything for two or three weeks and you're looking for anything to like kind of cure that anxiety and it might be like someone gives you this yeah eat i had someone once tell me yeah eat like 15 olives the night before because there's so much sodium in them oh my gosh um i didn't try it once on a long run while i was practicing whether or not it worked or not i don't know i didn't feel necessarily better or worse but i would not do that the day before a race or people you know salt tabs should i do that i'm like do you normally my answer always when people ask me should i do this this or that it's like well have you been doing it the whole time or would this be the first time well this would be the first time then don't (laughs) <laughs> just you know like don't go to some fancy mexican restaurant two days before if you right, that's not something right. you normally do exactly or sometimes people will be like oh like do you think that i should have caffeine before my race and i'm like well do you normally have caffeine every day <laughs> like, yep. do you normally do that and they're like no but i heard that it enhances i'm like well you definitely shouldn't because yep. having caffeine when you're nervous and yeah you know, it's just you're asking for bathroom it. problems <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> Totally. Um, so I think that kind of goes over like the day before feeling for sure. Yeah. Um, and I know we kind of talked about, you know, three weeks out, two weeks out, one week out from the race, I think is the time when most people get really, really nervous. And I don't phantom know. Phantom pains. Like... <laughs> yes, phantom <laughs> pains. Yeah, let's talk about phantom pains because that's a real thing. It and is. I and I feel it hear. every time too. Like, oh my gosh, my hamstring's tight. Oh my, my quads. Oh, you know, and you you're freaking out every little thing. The chances are you felt those all the way through training and you just don't realize it. It's just magnified times 150 because it's race week. Um, so it's just continuing to do what you normally do. You can't do anything until the race starts. Um, so and obviously some injuries can happen during that time. So I don't want to tell oh, people okay. to ignore it. Yep. But um, for the most part, a lot of that is just psychological. Your body is getting ready. Your, our, our minds are strong. And, uh, and you're kind of maybe without knowing it, looking for ways to, you said it earlier, I don't want to say self-sabotage, but you start to think, you know, what can go wrong oh, yeah. and every little tweak is like, oh my gosh, this is going to bother me during the race. But, uh, you just need to try to block that out, do what you normally do, treat that week like any other training week, um, treat the marathon that's coming up just like it's a, your long run for that week. It's just a little bit different. And, uh, hopefully you can <laughs> not have those happen as much, but I'll be honest that I have that happened as well so it's real (laughs) yeah so for people who are listening who don't know what like they're like what are they talking about okay so phantom pains is basically when you're in the taper and you're like five or less days out maybe like 10 or less days out you're feeling great you're on a run and like out of nowhere like you feel like for a split second like debilitating pain somewhere in your body and you're like oh my gosh my quad and I have a (laughs) of you know something and then all of a sudden it kind of like fades away yep. <laughs> you're like what and then you start getting a little paranoid and it may flare up like in other areas of your right. body also like your calf or your Achilles where like you've never really you're like what is this um and even one time I was warming up before a half like five years ago and out of nowhere like I had the worst IT band pain and I was like <laughs> oh my gosh I'm not even gonna be able to run I even told Jason I go I, I'm not gonna be able to run <laughs> I'm like I might have to be like just DNF ML, like 
point five because it just right. felt like something really bad was going to happen. And it's like I PR'd in the half by like five minutes, and it's just like what? What? It's just your body is doing weird things and just making sure right. that. And you've been you resting make... more. It could be biomechanics or offered just yep. a little bit different or something. I, I don't have an explanation for it, but I know that in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be getting a lot of those emails that, hey, yep. this happened in my run. And, and really the message is, yeah, I'm not saying ignore it, but for the most part, I think you'll, you're going to be just fine. Just kind of continue to go through your routine. And you have no idea. One thing that I always talk about when we do race plans, when I talk to someone let's say they have had a little bit of an, an actual, a little bit of an injury that's, you know, popped up right. once in a while is I always, and I've probably said this to you before is decide after the race, how you felt, not before. So if you go in thinking, Oh my like you just said, Oh, my calves going to, my IT man's going to bother me. I'm screwed. You can convince yourself of that pretty quickly, <laughs> go in there, run it. And then maybe it does bother you a little bit, but maybe you get done and it doesn't. Cause I've had the same thing. I went into a half once with a calf thing. I'm like, I shouldn't even be running this. And then I PR'd. But right. I almost had it in my head, I shouldn't even do this. Like, I shouldn't even go. I'm just going to stay home. And uh, boom, you know, so decide afterwards how it went, not before. Right, totally. And I've talked to my, um, like, chiropractor who does ART. And uh, he would say that it's like your body just, like, did a bunch of repairs on all those muscles. And sometimes it's just, like, because all, like, the cell changes. I don't even know how he explained it. I'm right. probably just butchering everything. He's like, it can just, like trigger something like the muscle brain connection and blah blah and I'm like okay interesting but as long as you're like cleared by you know like your PT or your ART person whatever to run and you're feeling good and you know it's something that's super minor at that point um, yep. you just gotta use your best judgment and like use the advice of the people that are in your your care um, medically and yeah yeah, we definitely don't want people running through injuries. But yeah. I just wanted to like kind of explain what phantom pains are. And, like, yeah, and just knowing that, that last week you might feel that and that, you know, you have to know when something maybe is actually wrong and when it's just your mind kind of playing a little bit of tricks on you or your body kind of adjusting to the totally. taper or that type of thing. Well, and what's funny about that is I always make an appointment because I always end up like having something where I'm like, oh, it's going to flare up. It's going to flare up. So I make an appointment with, you know, my ART person and he's always booked the day before or the not the day before but like the two weeks leading up to any marathon it's like you can't even get in <laughs> because yep. every, every other runner is feeling the same thing You're like oh i yep. just need like a last minute tune-up gotta make sure nothing is you know uh gonna right. flare and, and you made me think of something too that's it's related but not totally um is massages like before a marathon because yes. people ask me that all the time and i i get real unless it's something that you normally do like before a long run and you know yep. you can do it i'd be very leery of that because it, it is um deep especially deep tissue if you did something you'd want to do it really yep. really light if you're gonna do it at all because deep tissue it can be stressful in the body and it can release toxins that your body's not used to and all of a sudden you're doing something again that we talked about before that you don't normally do i'd just be very leery of that if i'm going to do a massage just a couple weeks before like you just talked about not yes. two days before unless you do that and some people I coach someone who is a massage therapist and she does all that kind of stuff right up to the race day, but that's what she always does and it works well for her. But if it's something you don't normally do, just like we talked about with food, don't experiment that, that week of, at least that's my recommendation. Right. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I am someone who, you know, I maybe get a massage every six weeks and I have kind of experimented with timing. When should I get them? When's the best time to get them? 
And uh, knowing for me personally, and probably people listening, I would assume that most athletes who are training for a marathon, they're probably going to get a deep tissue of some sort. I don't know how deep. Um, I like them to go like so deep that like I'm almost in tears. Yeah. I'm going to (laughs) go. Hurts so good. Right. Like I want a minimum. You've got to give yourself two weeks. So I like to do it. um, Usually I have like a race simulation two weeks out, like a long run. And then I'll do it like that Monday. But I don't, I would never have a massage the week of a race because it's like, I know that that's taking, like they're tearing apart and they're working on your muscles. It's almost like a workout in itself. So being very careful about when you're doing it. And like you said, maybe people, you know, you're a massage therapist or you get massages all the time and this works for you. That's fine. But my experience um, as someone who gets massages, you know, pretty regularly for a couple of years, I think between 14 and 10 days out is yep. the closest if you're getting a deep tissue massage um just to allow your body time to recover and yeah you don't you don't want to be doing it the day before a race at all i don't think yeah but i've tried like really that. light ones like you know a week or so out but then when it's light i'm like why am i even bothering right, like, i'm like you I want, yep. yeah so i wanted to to feel it so I, and i used to when i was marathoning a lot i would do it every get a massage every two weeks Nice. Yeah, I mean, I can't. It got hard to afford that, but it was. <laughs> but I definitely it, it was helpful. But I always signed it that that last one was two weeks out from the marathon, just like you just said. Um, right. Now I don't get them as frequently, but I probably should as I'm getting old. I probably need them more. Probably should, should get them daily. <laughs> ah, schedule one, Kelly. <laughs> I need one. Yeah, and I think they also kind of dehydrate you a little bit. So just kind of being aware of that and knowing that you know, the next day you're going to maybe feel a little weird or a little yeah. off and just making sure you're staying hydrated. And drink and... a lot of water right after. And usually the massage therapist will tell you that, um, especially if it's real deep tissue to make sure you drink a lot of water right after. Yeah. And they're not joking. When yeah. They're, they're not that joking. It's so important. Um, Cause even I feel the effects even two days after a massage, like I'll be like, uh, this, this run feels a little weird because it's your body's still kind of working out. Um, yeah. Some of that aggressive. And when you get that loose, you don't want to do that and then go out and do a workout or something like that either. You want to be careful of that. If you do a massage, I would do it on a rest day. Um, I had a therapist tell me that once, you know, don't go out and run right after this because your joints are so loose. You could, you know, knock something out of whack. So you want to be careful of that too. Yeah, that's that's great additions because I think we get asked that a lot. When should I schedule my massage? So two weeks out, yep. maybe 10 days at the closest, but nothing the week of, unless right. that's something you always do, but. Yeah. But cause like I said, I have a few people that do that and it works for them and um, you know, nothing drastic, but they do a little bit of trigger point or do, you know, just a little bit of a massage the week of, but again, that's only true. if you normally do it. Yep. Same with, same thing with like a hot tub. Don't jump in a hot tub the night before. The that's before, not something yeah. you normally do. <laughs> Totally. And I get that a lot. Oh, it's going to help me, but it's also going to do a lot of other things and you don't normally do it. So I, I won't right. go down that road, but don't do that either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like we were talking about, don't consume anything that you don't know before the race or that you haven't done before the race. Same goes for the day before the race. Like we don't want to do any activities the day or week of the race that we're not used to doing. Like it's not a good time to, you know, play basketball. Oh, I have an extra rest day. Like I'm going to go play basketball with my friends. Like (laughs) probably not smart. But I think a magic question that a lot of people like to ask and talk about are is drinking Uh (laughs) during during training. So like 
what have you ever cut out drinking during the taper and what do you think the effects are? What do you recommend? Yep. So I think it's really individual and kind of a personal preference. I mean, some people obviously don't drink at all. So this is right. doesn't pertain to them, but people that maybe like to have, you know, a glass of wine or a beer or whatever. I, I've gone full cycles where I didn't drink for like the whole three months cool. of leading up to a marathon. Don't think it didn't seem to make any difference. I mean, it's hard to say because yeah. I was doing a lot of marathons and my times were very consistent. But um, there's been a, now it's like I did an ultra last year, my first ultra. I had two glasses of wine the night before. Um, it's it just more so to relax. And it's what I normally do. Like if I because normally I'm doing long runs on Saturday. It's not like I'm a party animal or anything, but I will usually, you know, Friday after, you know, you're done with the work week, whatever you want to unwind and have a drink. Or right. two, I, I think that's totally fine. What you want to be careful of, as you know, it is a diuretic. So alcohol can lead to a little bit more instances of dehydration. So you want to be really careful about that. But again, it's kind of like a common theme of this podcast. If it's something you normally do, and it's something you do before the long run, I don't, I don't think it's bad to do it, but it, it's kind of really an individual thing. What, what's your take on that? Right. No, I totally agree with you. Like you said, it just depends. Like some people listening to this, they don't drink at all, you know, so it's like, yep. they don't even need to worry about it. But then I think there's like different, you know, everyone has different drinking habits. And let's say that is, you know, something that you're doing before a long run, you, you have a glass or two of wine or whatever, um, or you have a beer, um, you know, your body and you know, like what you're used to and no one else really can tell you that except for yourself and so you just have to use you know your best judgment and you know if you're curious um experimenting with it like I think you did that because I yep. think you're someone who you know would maybe have a glass or two of wine or beer you know once or twice a week um and I think you were like hey I want to know how it would affect my training if I just cut it out completely and use that for yourself like okay, it didn't really do anything for me. Like, right. It, it and I missed like, having <laughs> a glass of wine here or there. So totally. it's like, and I used to, like right. I said, I used to be a lot more strict about what I ate and what I did and what, you know, I was like, I need to do this. And I was so regimented where I've learned that, you know, you also have to, this is running is something that we love to do, but it's also one part of our life and you can't let it rule over everything you do. And, you know, if someone wants to go out and have a dinner or a drink, I don't want to be like, Oh, nope it's this it's this training you know i can't do that and so you really learn to and and like i said you don't want to go out and have 10 drinks the night before a race or something like that but one or two in moderation if it's something you do i think it's okay yeah and like for me personally i'll share my little two cents i've done you know 19 marathon or 18 i don't you lose track right um (laughs) and i've i've never really drank like the day before the race i've just kind of used that no don't do it because you want to be hydrated but it's usually like the two days before the race like i mean if you have like a glass or two or whatever you have a drink i mean i've definitely had a couple of drinks like the two days before and I don't think, and I've also gone the opposite where I'm like, I'm going to go, you know, the whole five weeks leading up to the race and the last like two months of training with nothing. Um, and like, I don't want to sound weird, but I feel like when I left alcohol in, like I felt better. I don't know. Right. And just more relaxed and it's yeah, something and you're like, taking away something you don't, that you normally do. Right. And it's, it's kind of like dieting when people all of a sudden just don't eat the foods that they really like. And instead of just eating you know, less or in moderation, they take out things that just make them unhappy. And I'm not saying drinking makes you happy, but I mean, you know what I mean? Just like that relaxation. And and sometimes that can, 
I don't want to say cause stress, but just do what you normally do and don't get, and I, I'm right. really some, want someone to talk about it. Cause I used to be so strict totally. on what I would do and what I would eat. And I'm sure my friends got sick of hearing about it. Um, especially when I was really into it and it's like, don't let it take over your entire your life. life. And it's, if it's something you normally, it's in your routine, just keep to your routine. Right. And I think for me, it was like, oh, I was taking it so seriously. And the reason that I wasn't drinking is because like, I really wanted to, you know, take it super seriously. It wasn't because for any other reason. And I think just having that as a constant reminder, and like, it just, it made me take myself too seriously. And it's like, it's just a hobby, you know, like, it doesn't, it's not right. you know, the end of the world. And for me, I think in that regards, like, it just kind of changes my mental perspective on it and not in a positive way yeah um, but I'm sure like it's beneficial to cut it out there must be some sort of benefit I'm not going to say like yep. before you raise I'm sure it's beneficial not to physiologically but you also have to think of the mental standpoint like you said um like is is it worth the sacrifice um whatever and right just and I did re- I did read an article once and this could be maybe because I I wanted to find it but it was in runner's world and it was about uh that beer has something that no other drink has which is chromium and it's supposed to be something that's vital for runners i cannot verify (laughs) that in any way shape or form but (laughs) i did read an article in runner's world about that that having one is good because it has this thing that's vital to runners we'll have to ask amy our nutritionist to back us up on that one (laughs) this is hilarious no i know some people that they swear by having a beer or two the day before a race then that's like maybe that's what it is (laughs) right or or there's people that say you know it's really important to sleep really well two nights before the race. Cause the night before you're probably not going to my feeling on that is someone made that up because no one sleeps really well the night before. So two nights before <laughs> they tell you that because that's, what's going to happen anyway. Um, it's kind of like rain on your wedding day. It's lucky because someone decided that. Oh my um, God. So it's just yep. kind of one of those things. So to answer the question, I, it's personal preference and experiment with it and see what works for you, but don't drive yourself crazy doing so many little things that it makes kind of takes the fun out of running right on the topic of like taking the fun out of things and just kind of all these things where it's like is it worth it you know I like to think of the taper as what is like how can we optimize your race day performance you know like what can we do during these weeks to make sure that you have you know a great race and I think earlier in my career it's like I would kind of obsess over the race in the weeks leading up to it yeah think about and um just now as a coach and as a more experienced athlete I think the biggest thing in those taper weeks for me is like not thinking about the race leads to more enjoyment on yeah and I think so too and I talked about it a little bit earlier is you really can't do anything about that particular race until the gun goes off and they start it so thinking about it two weeks and, you know, constantly thinking about how the race is going to go and anything that could go right or wrong or whatever, it's just taking energy you don't need to expend. Um, it's easier said than done. I mean, we all get nervous and we tend to get nervous about things we care about and we care about the results of that race, obviously, and, and that. But to try to just continue to do your workouts, it's just like uh, the, the rest of the training cycle. I'll tell people to go back and look at their training log when they start to panic that I didn't do it, you know, because you're resting and you start forgetting about everything you did. Um, go back and, and look that over and, and kind of do that way. But there's nothing you can do until the, until the gun goes off. So I don't even do race plans with people typically until the week of. Like we'll mm-hmm. talk about, you know, we've got a goal obviously in mind and we've been doing workouts based on that. But I don't have an actual let's have a plan until about five, six days because I feel like if you do it any sooner – 
then you're just thinking about it all that much more. And maybe I'm getting them excited or too excited or whatever when we talk about it or too much to think about. So I race plan wise, I tend to, for that reason, only do it like five or six days out. Right. I think that's a really good way to do it. Um, we, I try to do the same thing. A lot of the coaches do. Um, but I do, you know, you, you get those emails, you know, two, three, four, five yep. weeks out. I need the pacing plan now. And it's like, I get it. Like the, the, your goal isn't probably going to change between, you know, four weeks out and race day because you know what fitness you're in and we can write the pace plan and all that stuff. But the reason that we want to wait is because I've been there, you know, like you have this goal in mind that you want your time goal. And all of a sudden it becomes this like OCD obsession. Like I have to figure out exactly what splits I'm going to hit every single mile and like write it out a hundred times and get a pacing band and order it from findmymarathon.com and like, Oh, I'm going to look up all the pacers and I'm going to have my, my game plan. And I think it's like our tendency to want to control things exactly. and we can't. And I think that's the hardest bullet to swallow is like you said, you can't do anything until the gun goes off. And even when the gun does go off, you're going to race your best race. If you just listen to your body and you like go off of what you know, instead of forcing, okay, mile one, I have to be at eight oh five per mile and right you're gonna take the fun out of it if you get too ingrained in oh my gosh i have to hit my time goal and you want to have other goals i think also leading up to your race not so obsessed with just time 30 right so what are some other goals or like other focus points that an athlete can have to like avoid falling into that trap that trap i i think a lot of it is you know, it can be so many goals. A lot of people obviously are a little bit fixated on time, but we have so many people that their number one goal is to finish and just finish feeling good or finish feeling healthy or, you know, learn from it. And and you just kind of touched on it too. It's like, you've learned all this stuff through this training cycle. Now it's just the day where you get to put all that to practice. And what happens sometimes is the gun goes off and all of a sudden we forget everything we learned. And um, and like you said, get obsessed with, Oh my gosh, I'm two seconds off what my pace is supposed to be. This is a horrible day. And, you know, and they're freaking out already. So I think other goals, there can be so many things. It could be, okay, I want to take another step towards my ultimate, maybe their ultimate goal is Boston, but they're not quite ready for that yet. It's like, you know what? I want to take another nice little step forward learn more from this every marathon you learn a little bit and and that could be a goal um what other goals can you think of i'm trying to yeah i mean yeah for me one goal that always kind of helps me just like relax which is a great goal to have for any marathoner is just to negative split the race um oh yeah i think that takes the pressure off the pacing for me because if i'm in a negative split like you got to go out conservative and if that's your main focus is you know i want to feel good at mile 20 um you your priorities start to shift and i think that's the right approach when it comes to the marathon you don't want to be like i have to hit this split on this mile on this second it's like you just want to feel a certain way and (laughs) and just trust your body because your body knows how to do this and i think sometimes like our mind and our analytical self tries to get in the way of like what our body is capable of and Mm -hmm. it can lead to that like self-fulfilling prophecy of oh my gosh I'm five seconds off pace I'm not gonna feel good and when you you start going down that negative spiral of all the thoughts your body actually can't run as well because when you trigger negative thoughts it triggers negative hormones in your body that are actually going to make you slow down Mm mm-hmm 
And I, I have a good example of that. It, it takes time to learn how to do that. I, Mary and I kind of right. talked about it on different podcasts. I've, I've, I've done you know, like really close positive splits. And for people that don't know what a negative split is, it's running the second half faster than the first half yep. of the race. And I've been very even or a little bit of a positive split of right. maybe shorter races of negative split, but I've always had trouble with it. And it takes time to learn. And if you don't mind, I'm going to use you as an example real quick. Yeah. I remember maybe, I don't know, five, six years ago, and I would follow you on race day whenever you were doing a marathon. Um, and this is even before we worked together. And I, and I would be, there's more than a couple of times I just remember, like, I'm tracking you, and it's maybe three or four miles, and I'm like, slow down, slow down, slow oh down. And then you're doing it for the first half, and you're doing great. But oh. ultimately, it kind of caught up to you. And then you eventually learned to flip that and now look at your race times now. But, and I, I even had someone who just ran recently that I'm coaching who we had a really nice race plan. We had a really nice talk about it. And I saw their first 5k and it was like 15 seconds per mile faster than what we talked about. Mm-hmm. And already in my head, I'm saying, I won't say this person's name, but I'm like, <laughs> um, be careful. And, and, you know, still did great. And it was her first marathon, but just, you have to learn to, to, you can be really, really patient early and, and good things are going to happen. So I hope you don't right. mind that I use you as an example. No, I actually appreciate <laughs> it. No, I I had a I think the worst race I ever ran was probably the one you were tracking me at. <laughs> in terms of it was Twin Twin Cities in twenty what twenty fifteen, I believe. I had just came off a three fourteen marathon at grandma's and I I ran all right splits there. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. And I was like, you know what? I got a PR, you know, at the next one. Cause you know, it's just like, I thought you always had to get better and right. my fitness wasn't there. I didn't really take any time off between races and you just, you go out cause you have some crazy, um, goal time in your mind. And it's like, was I physically capable of running the goal? Maybe probably, but like mentally it's just the maturity wasn't there or the, the rest and recovery between marathons wasn't there. And I think it's really important to like, analyze like where am I as a runner going yep. into these races um and be honest with yourself because I think if I would have just been honest with myself I knew that I wasn't gonna have a good day like I knew my fitness wasn't there I I was trying to like prove to myself in workouts um and it just wasn't good and I was like yep. you know but I'm just gonna go out hard and it, in my mind it, it didn't seem like it was be hard but I was like I'm just gonna go for it and yep. see what happens and um, and that's hard to do in that long of a race unless yeah, you everything, can't. unless your body is ready to do that or you practice that or whatever. That's, it's hard in that long. You might get away with that in a 5k or a 10k, right. um, but you're not going to, and you're talking 26.2. No, I think that's really difficult. And I think just being honest with yourself and your goals and understanding that, you know, just because you plug in your time in the Jack's Daniel calculator, or just because you can run a certain 5k or 10k time. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to run that <laughs> this yeah. specific marathon time. You, you got to look at the training cycle you've had, you know, like, have you been training for this? Like, are your runs going well? Have you done the volume or the, the correct training that you should be doing? Yeah. Um, cause I think a lot of people get caught in the, oh, well, this person has done this time and they run this for a marathon and you start comparing and you think like, then I can do that. And yep. you just don't want to get caught in that, especially during the taper, because I think that's where you can convince yourself that, oh, my legs are feeling really good. I think I'm just going to go for it on race day. And like you said, it never turns out well. And so no. listening, I went out 
I just went out at like seven flat. <laughs> I, just, I just like went for it, you know, and I texted my husband at mile, like, I don't know, 11. And I go, I think I'm going to drop out. And I was like, you know what? No, Victoria, you're going to suffer <laughs> through this because you have to learn your lesson. And it yeah. was the most humbling experience of my life. Like I just slowed up to like eight thirties and, yep. and everyone passed me. I mean, oh, it was yeah. just like, that's all that happened the whole time. And, you know, you still finish with an okay time, but I think the lesson there is, you know, you learn the hard way. And yep. I think some people, they, they learn the hard way and it's, you know, it's a learning experience. It's kind of fun. You know, you have, you have right. a story. And, but... and I'm actually proud of some of those times where I've bonked really hard, even though I was the stupid one. And I, I told this story yep. on the last podcast, but I, I'll tell it a little bit quicker, but I was, you know, going to try to run right around like 305 or something once. And I went out in a 650 pace, Oof. which is, and I did it for 21 miles. And I'm quite oh honestly still kind of proud of that, even though what happened after that was not so good. And, you know, the end of this story in the last 5K took me like 15 minutes. Um, but I'm actually super proud of that because I was like you. I'm like, I was going to quit. I was sitting on the side of the road. I'm like, the lights just kind of went out. But I'm like, I, I made myself get to the finish line to, to learn that lesson. And, and I have not done anything that ridiculously stupid since then, <laughs> you know, as far as, as that goes. And, and you really learn. And that sometimes you have to, unfortunately learn that when it sucks when you just spent 16 weeks training and then you did that or 16 weeks and you get a shitty weather day or whatever it is um it's that's a tough part about marathon is things have to connect a little bit you have to feel good on race day you have to execute you have to have done the training and then weather you know can be a factor and it's just you have to kind of roll with that too when it comes to race day right i mean you really have no control over some factors you know like the race day weather um, is huge. I mean, you look at Boston every year and it's always, I mean, you never get good weather at Boston. Yep. I mean, if you do, it's like a fluke. So I think just preparing for anything and knowing going into this race and when you're tapering, keep it in mind, like you already did the work and that's what you've done already is what you should be proud of. Um, that's the accomplishment is training for the race and getting in all the training. Um, you know, just the race day, it's a couple of hours. It's one event. It's not, yep. it doesn't really tell the whole story. And so we're sharing stories like I blew up in this marathon. He blew up in this marathon. It's like, we've had good races too. Yeah. Great races. Think, right. Like we've had amazing races, you know, great races where you negative split or PR, or you just run out of your mind. Um, but it's like, we've also been in those situations where we, things don't go our way on race day. And even if you train smart and you're in shape like the weather for example i mean boston 2016 i look at jason mm -hmm. my husband he ran two what did he run 249 there the year before yeah so he we went out and it was hot that year the next year and he's like i just want to run you know three hours I, i'm gonna take a conservative so that to him was like more conservative than the year before and it's just like he still ended up at mile 23 because of the heat and the humidity and the sun cramping walking to the finish and he ran 326 so it's yep. like you don't know what's going to happen on race day and if you do find yourself on race day in these situations where something like either you went out too hard or it's raining or it's hot or you just aren't feeling it um just know that you're not alone and that yep. we've all been there and you're not always going to have those days and i think that's what running is all about um because we don't do it because it's easy we do it because it's like it's honestly character building when you have yep. those hard days. That's like why I run. It's because you learn like you can get through anything and it just makes it so much sweeter the next time you have a day where everything aligns. 
Right. And something you just said made me think of something too. So I've done 21 marathons and probably after each one I've said, well, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> and, but then within a couple of weeks I'm signing up for it and I'm not signing up for the race. I'm signing up for the training because I miss the process and I miss that my daily routine, my things, you yeah. know, obviously you have to take some time off and kind of rebuild, but I'm always looking at what's the next one going to be. And maybe it's not going to be that I'm, I'm going to maybe do some base building for the next five or six weeks and then start to tackle another one or whatever it is or a couple months. But it was always for me, it's the process that I missed and um, would get me to sign up for another one because I like that. And what happens on race day, like you said, every day, you know, I've done 21 of them. Every one of them has been different. Great ones, not so great ones, so-so ones, whatever. It's all about that process and enjoying that process. Yes, I love how you said it's all about the process. And there was an article written like a year or two ago. It was called, The Marathon Doesn't Owe You Anything. And it just really spoke to the whole, you know, the real task at hand is training for it. And then when you get to the start line, it's like, the marathon's going to like strip you down to like the core of who you are. And it just like, it humbles you in every way. Even if you have like the best race of your life, like it's the most humbling experience just to go through that process of like, yep. whoa, like it, I mean, it's hard. It's hard for everyone. It's hard for the elites. It's hard for the people who are just, you know, like at the very back of the pack, it's hard for everyone in between. Um, so just like, don't be hard on yourself on race day. You know, if, you, if you're not feeling good or if it feels hard, like it's supposed to feel really, really hard. Yeah. And that's why you're doing it. And so not losing sight of that. Cause I think, especially like on our Instagram page and on social media uh, or, you know, whatever you see, like the highlight reel, like you see the great times, you see the medals and all yeah. the great fun, that sort of thing. And we don't sh often share like, you know, at mile 22, I wanted to quit. Like it felt like, my legs are screaming at me and all of those moments. That's part of, you know, the picture that you're seeing. Right. Exactly. And I think so much when we do obviously want it, we try to spotlight those people that do really well. And you're not going to like when I did, it took me 50 minutes to do my 5k. I probably don't want you to post about it, but, <laughs> but those things happen too. And I think, you know, sometimes maybe we do need to shed more light on it. I feel like we're kind of going in the negative town a little bit. I mean, the, the hope is when you've trained and done all those things, you'll, you'll have a great day, but just be prepared that that's, that's the lure of the marathon is that anything can happen yes. um, and be prepared for that. And, and when it does happen, if you prepare for it ahead of time, you're like, okay, I knew this might happen or I knew I might have a great day or whatever. Um, it'll be easier to, to take whatever happens. Right. And I think that's what like draws you back, you know, like you've done, you know, 20, whatever I've done 18. And it's like, the reason I keep signing back up is because you just never know what's going to happen. You yep. know, you just never know how race day is going to go. You can train, you can do it all, but it's like, is it going to be one of those days where the stars align? Is it going to be one of those days where you just feel all right? Maybe something really bad will happen. And it's like, you don't know, but what you do know is that you got through the training and you're strong enough to get to that finish line. It's almost like a surprise and it's yep. fun. I think that part of yep, it is I do fun. too. And even, even when I've had great races, like my PRs, I feel like I could have done this a little bit better. And so I want to go back and, and I'm not by any means a perfectionist, but you always feel like, Oh, if I would have just done this and that kind of brings me back. And that's the fun for me too. And, to, and to know, like, even we talked about it, this on other podcast, I'm getting a little bit older. I've had some things happen to where I'm probably not going to PR a lot anymore and that that's totally okay, but I can still do better than I did that race last year. or My training cycle goes better than the last one, or there's still a lot of goals you can have besides just time and, and that type of thing too. Yeah, so. totally. That's, 
that's great to talk about goals and think about goals and I think just wrapping up with everything we talked about it's it's all about um you know just enjoying the process and when you do get to the taper I think like you said you know there, it's not a magic pill it's, yep. it's still gonna be hard and um just knowing your race plan and sticking with it and, and not, executing yeah yes Yep. But also like going off a of feel and adjusting and pivoting on race day, you know, if things are, are, you know, out of your control happening. Yeah. But I can give you a lot of stories on people who went out conservative and ended up having great races and finishing strong. Not as many that went out way too fast and then <laughs> had a great totally. race. So yeah. really your negative split talk was, was really important for people to, to listen to that you can, that you want, especially in a marathon, you got to start out patient. Yeah. So. And almost totally. every time I do a race plan, I always message the person the night before, and I might only just say one word or two, excuse me, be patient, because that's patient. two words. And after we've already done all the talking, just be patient, stay relaxed, you know, let every, everybody else make those mistakes of going out too hard, just stick to what we talked about. That type yeah. of thing. It's hard to do, and I've been there myself where it's hard, it's hard to do that, but once it's... you learn, you, it, good things are going to happen. Yep. It's so hard, but yeah, like you said, it's just being patient. And I think that's probably the best, that just two words right there. Be patient. Just yep. remember that and trust Say it to yourself over and yeah. over again. I like to go out at a pace that I think is right. And then slow down a little. Totally <laughs> right. Chances are you're going a little bit above what you think because you're pumped up and excited and all those yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. I think what Ben always says, coach Ben, he's always like, start slow and then start even slower. Yeah. <laughs> play it safe and good things will happen because you know the races aren't won the first couple of miles they're won at the end so yeah. well said yeah thanks for taking the time yep, to record this and chat all about tapering because i'm sure we have a lot of tapering athletes out there and i hope that everyone listening enjoyed hearing this and maybe it helped calm your nerves a little bit going into the big race week and if you have any questions or maybe like you're approaching your taper and you're not really sure how to do it um it's not too late to you know work with one of us and kind of get that help and maybe you're just interested in a pacing plan we have consultations that we do here also um if you want more information about training or coaching pacing plans whatever it is you can fill out the form at www.run4 the number four prs.co and we can get started chatting right away with you Um, So thanks for tuning in and until next time.